are listening to the Rest Roots and Renewal podcast. I'm your host, Eric Russell, and each week I'll sit down with another pastor from the Oaks Community Church and give you a sneak peek of the upcoming Sunday. We will look at what the scripture text is for the week along with the questions we are wrestling with, and we invite you to wrestle and think and feel and pray with us. Well, hey, everyone. Brown cow. Brown cow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us again for another week, another podcast. And this week we are looking in the Proverbs. Again, we're in our Proverbs series and we're looking at the topic of work. And I'm here with Pastor Matt and you are up this week. Mm -hmm. And I've got kind of four different Proverbs passages that you've submitted that you're looking at. So let's start there. I can read those, and then uh, we can dive in with some questions. Does that Dis- work? D- yeah, but disclaimer, there's quite a few that I've, I think, are forming some of my thoughts, but that it's hard. Side of these four? Yeah, it's just really hard to narrow them down. These sure. are good, though. These are really interesting. So go yeah. ahead. Well, this will them. get us started at the very least. So we will start with Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man." Then we have Proverbs 13, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Proverbs 11, verse 26. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Proverbs 26, verse 10. Like an archer who wounds everyone, is one who hires a passing fool or drunkard. Don't be a sluggard. Don't be a sluggard. So this week is on work. And, you know, the first question that I kind of have for you, Matt, is where does work come from? Like, how does it fit in with God's design? Or is it not part of God's design? Is work, you know, the result of sin and the curse? Was it all, you know, nothing but vacations on the beach prior to sin or mm-hmm. you know what where does work come from how how should the christian view the genesis of work the bible has a really interesting perspective on comparatively speaking historically speaking even i was doing a a deep dive and over the last couple of days it's interesting that the origins the kind of the way we have thought like Western thought has developed on work has been, it's it's kind of started off with like this negative view of work, that work debases us as humans. It kind of puts us on the level of animals. It's brutish. It's dehumanizing. If you can escape it, you should. And then eventually, as we wrestle with that reality, what I found interesting is that you, you got a guy like Luther comes along and he's trying to figure this all this out. And of course, he's he has this an awakening and this realization of, of a God of grace, a gospel of grace, that we're not saved by works, 
but by the free mercy and grace of God, and that we're rescued by his just his love and his generosity. And then he ends up then kind of out of that working out this new, new kind of this new idea of work, which is basically like essentially that work is you could say it's like a gift that it is seen as a way of which we participate with God in his providential care of human beings. And I think of like how just even contemplating humanity's first task and role as a gardener is almost metaphorically a great way of viewing. It's actually kind of helps you work out a good theology of work because it's kind of like you've got some mastery over things. You've been given this unbelievable privilege of ruling over creation. Psalm 8 talks about that. I think it's Psalm 8. The psalmist praises God because he's made us, he's mindful of us. And then he says, you've made us a little bit lower than the angels. Mm-hmm. And he's, but he's tasked us with ruling over the, the creation, the, yeah. the order of creation. But we're to do it with great care, hmm. like a garden. Like you, you're, you're meant to be one who doesn't exploit, but actually brings about like flourishing and fruit. We've got a lot of people in our church that are younger, they're still in college, mm. and they're wrestling with career choices mm-hmm. and how how should they go about picking a career or a job yeah trial and error practice <laughs> i don't know it's there does seem to be something about alignment i've been trying to think through i haven't i haven't figured it out exactly but there is this you and i actually to be fair i think you almost have to zoom out mm-hmm. and look at all of the bible and you have to recognize that we are all the same and that's a really good thing and that there are particular gifts and skills. And I think the more you can become aware of the ones that you have, but there's another piece to that because I think you could be totally narcissistic, selfish in your approach of like, here's what I'm, I love to do. I'm just going to go do this and not recognize that it, it provides no flourishing. Yeah. There is a, there is a selfish bent on only you gaining and there isn't this neighborly love. So you just articulated, by the way, what I would call the cheat code, and his name was Tim Keller. Yeah. So I, I in, in looking at that question and then trying to answer that, I recalled that Keller had a sermon where he talked about work, and he framed it exactly like you just did, mm. uh, where he said, you know, three guiding principles were that if it's a value, valuable to society, work that's valuable to society. Yeah. Because by the way, not all work is. No. Right there, there are, for example, companies out there that are practically loan shark businesses, yeah, predatory, pre- lending. predatory lending, right. or like land, like you're you're toxifying the land. I mean, if right. you're doing something that's right. hurting creation, correct? Yeah. So there's there is going to be just de, de facto work that is off the off limits for the Christian because of that, right? Yeah. It's not valuable to society. Uh, but that's the first one, valuable to society. The second one was, hey, is it does it provide for the needs of me and my family? Mm-hmm. You know, there might be work out there that is valuable to society, but at the end of the day, I can't mm-hmm. pursue that because it's not going to provide for our needs. And then the last one is what you said as well, like, is it in line with my gifts and abilities and personality? You know, is there, is there, you know, and, and again, this, these are, you know, privileged points, but 
insofar as we're able to, it's like if we're able to find work that's valuable to society, work that is valuable to me and my family and provides for our needs and is in line with my abilities and gifts, then, then yeah, that's a, that's a good work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and, and, and I do think, like I said, I, I do think it takes time and, and then you're going to have to, at some point, unless say you do have that, you're going to have to at some point wrestle with the, the proper amount of deploying the, the, the proper amount of attention and effort in it as well. And recognizing like, like it's an amazing gift if you're, if you're energized by your work, hmm. that's an amazing gift, but then you're also going to need to know where, when and how to put it down. Yeah. And, and this is, this is another thing, by the way, that, that I think in an indirect way is kind of emerges in this, this comparison between the sluggard and the ant because she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food and harvest. There's this, and you see this idea kind of in, in Ecclesiastes with a much more famous passage on knowing the times. There's a time for this. There's a season for this. There's a season for, you know, yeah. for, for plucking up. There's a, yeah for planting. There is this image here where it's like the ant knows what the time requires. That's wisdom. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing this is the time to work. This is the time to stop. And this is why it's a very human effort, I would call it. Like I would like finding the wisdom in work is a very human endeavor because what you're doing is is you're not a god that can work constantly. And you're not called to. Yeah. When you see the Israelites go into Egypt, what happens eventually? Eventually, they work becomes absolutely a way to dehumanize them. Yeah. The Pharaoh makes them make bricks at a scale that is utterly dehumanizing. Yeah. That when they come out of Egypt, and I'm like fast forwarding through like the first few chapters of Exodus, but like when they come out of Egypt, what one of the first things that God establishes with them is this new balance of work and rest, and you know, which is the institution of that Sabbath rule. And so there is this way in which God is starting to say, Hey, I'm not like Pharaoh, I don't work this way, I'm not that kind of a ruler, I'm not, I, I have no interest in dehumanizing you but I have interest in rehumanizing you. Yeah, You're not an animal. You're a human made in my image. Work is a good thing, and you should work for the good of yourself and the society around you. And you also need to recognize that you're not God. Mm-hmm. And so that you, by laying it down one day a week, for instance, is an opportunity for you to remember and to recognize your humanity, and that is that you actually aren't sovereign and you're not controlling and holding it all. And so there is this picking of, there's this idea of picking and understanding what is a good good work for me to do. And then there's like an element in which we're thinking about how much to do and when to do it. And, yeah. And knowing the balances of that. And by the way, these things are just things we work out. You know, we don't, yeah. I don't know if we perfect them. We, we, we work on them. We yeah. think about them critically. This is what it means to be Christian is to think about these things. Tell me what you think of this. This is Marianne Williamson. She said she wrote, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. 
Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? (laughs) You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Now, I understand there's probably a lot in that that makes you like uncomfortable. Oh, I was going to, that's exactly what I was going to say. That makes, hearing that part of me is like, oh, wow, that's, that really tickles my ears. The other part of me is like, this is, that makes me feel really uncomfortable. Why? Because it sounds like. Narcissistic. Yeah, very narcissistic, like egocentric (laughs) kind of talk. Yeah. Yeah. And there's probably some of that in there. But there's probably also, but, but don't you like, feel like there's a, there's some of this where it's like, I don't know, there's a part of it to me that is like, Ephesians 2 10 says that you are the workmanship. You're the workmanship of Christ, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Mm-hmm. You're his work, you're his masterpiece. Mm. And like what, how that then should be, what, how that should influence what you put your hands to and the kind of product that you put out. Totally. And I think there's a, I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of why that makes me uncomfortable. I'm trying to poke the bear here. So, yeah, you know, no, I'm I, trying I to like, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to poke the, the bear with a, with a, with a, with a man bun. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's spicy. Here's what, here's, I'll, I'll use, I'll use me then as an example. Okay. When I listen to that, I'm like, okay, I, on one hand, I agree. There are some things that I know I'm good at. There's some there's some things that I know that I've got some skills and some areas where I shine in comparison to others. There's like, whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, but hang on, but but <laughs> but so it's like, hey, when it comes to like producing content, when it comes to you know whether it's video or media like this, like a podcast, it's like, hey, I can do a real high level production. Yeah. But I don't see it as an opportunity for me to shine Mm. as much as it's an opportunity for me to add something valuable to the world. Yeah. The the re you know, like the reason I do the podcast isn't so that I have some kind of personal stage. It's yeah. because I think that this is really helpful to the church. Mm. And and if this wasn't helpful to the church or when the day comes when it no longer serves the church, mm-hmm. well then we'll stop the podcast and I'll go do something else. Yeah. So that's my pushback and why it makes me uncomfortable when I listen yeah. to that. Because yes, there is a value in all of us knowing where we're gifted and where we shine and, mm. and where we're better than ninety nine out of a hundred people. But is it is it ultimately for us to shine and have kind of that narcissistic personal glory, yeah. or is it for the greater good of our society? Yeah. No, I know, and I and I agree, and I totally agree. I I like I said, I bring it up because it's like it's I, fun and spicy. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like it's it's you know I know I know. I like to come across stuff like that and then think, what is it about this that I don't like? Or what, and what about this? Do I need, you know, how does this interrogate me though? Yeah. And make me rethink a little bit. And I just, I think of people though, I just think of people even in our community and I'm like, man, they're playing it small. 
like they've got they've got the the creative workmanship of God behind them. And yes, we're not served. We are not better for your narcissism. But we're also equally not served by your deep insecurity. That's right. And by your deep like you your unwillingness to step out and try something for fear of failure or whatever. When I might be greatly encouraged by the risks that you take to serve and to do a good thing, to do a good work, particularly if you do it honestly, mm-hmm. right? Like you do it with effort and honestly so that you're able to even look at it and go, yeah, that didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, or I really stunk at that. That Even that in of itself it serves me. It's like it encourages me that it's like, it's okay then. It's okay for me to try. It's okay for me to do a work, maybe to, not, to, to, to figure out and to learn that I didn't do it well. That's okay, because I see it in other people too. Hmm. And that's so much, does that make sense what I'm trying to say? I think so. So I just really, I mean, I just was thinking, I want to encourage people to not be bound by the rules of this world, but be bound by the rules of the kingdom. Hmm. And to say, here's who, here's who made you. Here's where you're headed. You're headed towards a new kingdom in which is breaking in right now. And there is this, because of that reality, what you do now carries on into eternity. In a sense, we have this deck of cards. It's a, it's a deck of question cards, my house. And I break these out because sometimes I stink at asking my kids questions. And I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to ask them questions that'll get them going. And I can get inside their little minds and think about what are they dealing with? Anyway, so last night I asked, I pulled this card out and it was, if you had a time machine, you can go anywhere at any point in time, where would you go and why? And I don't think she was like trying to suck it, suck up or anything, but my eight-year-old thought about it for a minute and she's like, like past or future. And I'm like, yeah, like either one. And she's like, I'm going into the future when the new heavens meets the new earth. Oh, wow. I'm like, dang. And yeah. I'm, you know, so I'm like, Tell me more. Yeah, and that I, makes me emotional just hearing that. Yeah. That's and beautiful. she's like, I want to see what it's going to look like. Hmm. I want to see like what he's going to do and, 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 and the kind of works that we're going to, you know, and yeah. in her own little eight-year-old way or nine-year-old way, sorry, she yeah. she's, it starts expressing. Hmm. And I'm like, that that kind of eschatological, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's such a big nerdy word, but that view of the future changes how you show up now. That's what the Bible's trying to say. Yeah. That Christ did a work. And now think about this, by the way. Think about this. Why does work why is work such drudgery? Not because work itself is bad, but because there's thorns, metaphorically, yeah. in some yep. cases literally. And then Jesus comes along and he takes the drudgery, takes the very thing he takes the very thing that you hate about your work and he shoves it, he has it shoved into his head. Wow. You know, you know what I mean? The thorns get crammed on his head. Now, if that's not just a, this incredible creative work of redemption, that like the story, you can't write a more beautiful story than that. That work is fine and beautiful and good. It is a thing of fulfillment. It's a thing of creativity. It's a thing of love in the beginning. It gets debased because of sin. And God says, no, that's not the end of the story. 
I'm going to take the drudgery, the futility, the horribleness, the brokenness of it all that was metaphorically expressed in thorns. And I'm going to take those thorns and I'm going to wrap them around my precious son on the top of his head and I'm going to shove it down on him so that, right, your work in the future will mean something beautiful again. That has to change things. That has to change things. That that means the piece of art that you're working on now is not going to get burned up in the eternity. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. The the sermon that you're going to write carries on into eternity. Yeah. The work uh, that you're good at now will be a work that you continue in, right. into yeah. eternity. Yeah. The thing that you build, the kids that you raise, mm. the the elderly person that you take care of, the the helping someone in the in the aisle these little things the christian is this is this person that is injecting this incredible transcendent view of the small and the present and what they're doing it's not it's not only theologically correct it's so it's so theologically missional hmm. because it expresses to people indirectly and then may, hopefully maybe then directly like through conversation that you have an immense amount of hope for the world if you don't have that, then it's like, yeah, do shoddy work. Get to retirement as quickly as possible and sit and do nothing. But if you think about the future in those terms, then it's like all the little things that I do matter. And even when the world is not paying attention, it might come back to not haunt me, but come back to praise me and to say, yes, you believed and you hoped. Look at it now. Thanks for listening to the Rest Roots and Renewal podcast, which is a production of the Oaks Community Church in Middletown, Ohio. For more information, visit us at www.theoakscommunitychurch.org. You can also email us at info at theoakscommunitychurch.org.